Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light topics surrounding health, wellness, and workplace culture in the food and beverage industry. Through these conversations, I hope to explore the unique challenges that hospitality workers face, from workplace relationships and work-life balance, to guest interactions and everything in between. Please be advised that this episode has a trigger warning due to conversations surrounding sexual assault and rape. Welcome to the Fine Line Podcast. I'm Emily Gold. And I'm Liz Willette Daniels. As longtime veterans of restaurants and the wine importing and distribution business, we wanted to learn how the people we admire balance their love of food and wine with their mental and physical health. It's not always an easy journey. Mm-mm. If you are liking this podcast, please do rate, review, and subscribe. Good morning. Welcome to the Fine Line Podcast. This is a dual podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have LP and Alex here from Focus on Health. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hey, everyone. Hi, thanks for having us. We're having each other. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> to be here. <laughs> In person. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, well, let's start with talking a little bit about what Focus on Health is, who you guys are. Tell us tell us your stories and then we'll tell you ours. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> you show uh-huh. us ours, we'll show you ours. <laughs> um, so uh, my name's Alex Jump. I am uh, a head bartender, bar manager in Denver, Colorado. And um, Focus on Health is a project that kind of grew out of a bartending competition that I competed in. Um, And you're at Death & Co. Just to... Yeah, I'm at Death & Co. in in Denver. Um, Been there for over three years. And um, in 2019, I competed in Most Imaginative Bartender. Uh, That's uh, Bombay Sapphire's competition. And in this last year, they... um, joined forces with Tales of the Cocktail and Punch to make the competition about more than just bartending. Um, you know, long story short, I they wanted to know, you know, like what, what drives you outside of the bar world? And it was kind of this wake up moment for me where I was like, oh my God, I have nothing else. Like all I've put my energy into over the last however many years has been involved in beverage in some kind of way. And I had been going through some personal life changes over the years of opening Death & Co. and um, had already started being pretty vocal on social media about my experiences with mental health and just like the fact that I was going to therapy or whatever. And like nothing like that I felt was really that monumental other than just being like today I went to therapy well, just um, announcing that yeah, you're going to therapy just is like, monumental yeah you know? um yeah and so I basically decided um thanks to the support of a handful of people in my life that I would do this competition and that the thing I would say you know creatively inspired me was like this conversation regarding the lack of balance in the hospitality industry and you know my platform was really what's the point of competing in this competition where you're trying to prove that you're like the best bartender in the United States or the best bartender in the world or whatever, whichever competition is, not just this one, any of them. It was like, what was the point if you're going to die from addiction, uh, you know, stress, lack of work-life balance? Like, And like, I meant like literally die because there are so many people in our industry that we love and have been looking up to for years who have died totally unexpectedly and it was like always this whole thing of like we didn't know that they were struggling and it was like 
okay, like how long can we say that? Like yeah. we're all struggling and no one's talking about it. And this industry is known for having people that have substance abuse issues and people that, you know, don't work out or take care of themselves. So anyway, um, I competed in that competition. I came home from that competition in early 2020, um, kind of not sure what I wanted to do next. I didn't win MIB, but I did win the portion of the competition that had to do with um, the pitching your bit new business idea, which focused on health is what I pitched. Um, and then luckily for me, LP reached out. Um, she and I have known each other for, I don't know, probably five years or so, right, LP? Around there. Yeah, just about that time. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, had her own experiences in the industry and had been through her own journey of kind of refinding wellness in her own way and um, had been just kind of thinking similar things. And so we decided to start Focus on Health together as a real a real company, um, like March 2020. So uh, we were supposed to meet in Denver and make sure that, you know, our business plan aligned and that we thought we'd be good business partners. And then, of course, that trip didn't get to happen. And so we just said, fuck it. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to pass Swear focus. away. Yes. <laughs> um, we said, you know, fuck it and let's just do it. And, you know, it was a, you know, good time for timing for us because everyone was stuck at home. And so we spent a lot of time putting energy into social media and outreach and uh, just doing virtual programming, which we've done for the last year plus. Um, and LP, I'm sorry, I'll stop talking. I'll let you say something <laughs> about the company now. No, I, I always love when we get asked this question because I'm like, girl, you answer this. I can't. <laughs> That's a good partner. Um, yeah, yeah. So from my perspective, I was going through a tremendous health and wellness journey and kind of just the point where I was like, um, well, you know, going out every day after my shift and then getting very little sleep and not feeling great and not moving my body and eating my lunch or my meals over the garbage can in a rush is not ideal or fun for me. And I found balance in my work schedule. I started saying no more. I took care of my body um, and prioritized myself. And, you know, after with Alex and, and figuring out that we really both wanted to take things that have worked for us and provide them as um, a tool that others in the industry could utilize, uh, that was really the start of, you know, what we were able to do for Focus on Health. Um, and it's always important to state this. Alex and I are, are good at one, well, many things, but mm -hmm. primarily at being hospitality professionals. So we really do rely on the experts in their, um, in the health and wellness, you know, uh, field to, to really legitimize what it is that we're doing. Um, they're very knowledgeable in what they do. And our, our skill set really allows us to curate programs and its uh, experiences and, and resources that are specific to the needs of the food and beverage industry. So when you mention virtual platform, that means we could go to your site yeah. and there's a lot of resources on there that... Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm like 83. So, I'm like, what's a virtual platform? <laughs> listen, I don't know if it's specific to age because uh, all of the terminology <laughs> totally. and technology, 
I can't keep up with it. I mean, uh, we would be lying if we didn't say that Liz's 13-year-old son helps us sometimes. Oh, <laughs> we're like, just do this, will you? And he just figures it out. I mean, yeah. LP like learned how to build a website during the pandemic. I mean, she's so incredible. She just like built awesome. our website from scratch and um, has poured so much time and effort That's into, uh, you know. I will say this, like between the two of us, I mean, Emily and I have probably a 15 year age difference and her prowess at building our site. <laughs> like I, it would take me two hours to do something. And I'd be like, I hate this. Da, da, da. And she'd be like, oh, you just do this. And I'm like, okay, I think you should do this. <laughs> I'm you in this yeah, situation. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's like, me, I get it. it's not I'm, like instinctive for me. Yeah. So how did you guys know each other? If, cause LP you're in DC, I believe. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and obviously Alex is in Denver. So how did you guys know each other? Um, we, we, I probably, the first time we met LP was when we were working for Bell Mead. I can't, I don't exactly. think that, Yeah. So we were both brand ambassadors for Bell Mead bourbon. Um, that was when I, I guess we've only known each other for four years, LP, because I moved to Denver for a little over four years ago. Um, and so <laughs> when I moved to Denver, uh, Bellmead had just expanded into the Colorado market. So I was their brand ambassador here and LP was their brand ambassador in DC. Um, so we got to know each other through that. Cool. Um, and then just, you know, the, the blessing of this industry being that you make connections with people and, um, and stay acquaintances, um, you know, I think that really is the blessing of this industry though. I mean, I see it with my husband who's in finance and he, does not want to hang out with anyone he works with ever. And I'm like, like our lives just, there's no separation in the best way. Like, cause yeah. we, cause what we've, our job is something we're passionate about personally. So of course yeah. there's no line there. And I love that. I think we all love that. Yeah. I always, I mean, I talk about this a lot is like, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of, finance is maybe not the best example. Cause I'm sure that he, like you have to be pretty involved like 24 seven in what's going on to be successful in finance. But like, I always like say the thing about our industry is that like we go home and we like still talk about food and drink and everything, but it's like whoever, you know, some other job, some like normal desk job, it's like you clock out and then you just like, no, they don't talk about it. Like they don't want to. It's like you clock out. You're like, yeah, turn it no, on. It's yeah. like you work to live instead of it being yeah. like right. Yeah, Whereas it's like our jobs is like everybody eats and drinks in, yeah. the, in the world, and so it's like you always have something in common. Like you always looking for the next fun eating or drinking to do. Totally. Like you travel to do it, and so it's like it's hard. It's like that's once again one of those things. It's like it's cool, but also it's like how do you draw a line of having other things about your personality because it can so be so easy to just like dive into like oh this is who i am 24 7 no boundary right yeah so Agreed. like having that separation and like finding other things to be excited about. well and especially when what we're talking about is food and alcohol which has an impact on our body and our mental right. health <laughs> right right and Ooh. it's so easy to overdo you know yeah yeah i was just saying before we started recording that i'm supposed to go to like a bar opening tonight and literally I was like texting my boyfriend like I don't think I want to go yeah (laughs) I know it's Um, it's hard I have a question for you LP um I was thinking about you saying that you started you know saying no a little more and prioritizing taking care of yourself and one of the things that I always am afraid of is like oh no I'm not going to be good at my job or like my colleagues aren't going to respect me if I'm not like 150 percent in or out and yeah. about, like, you know, mingling and all that stuff. So what was that? Yeah, exactly. So what was that like for you? And is that, I mean, is the is the answer that we just can't worry what other people think? Or is there more? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of, of it's a couple of things. So I think for me, a lot of were the point I was at when I was starting to say no was a manager position. And what that then did was set a precedent for what is acceptable and what's not. Um, and as a leader, I thought it was important to ensure that my employees understood and knew that, like, I'm not expecting you to work eight days a week. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not expecting you um, to 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 be here and this be your entire life. I do expect you to show up and to be competent and to work hard. Um, but there does need to be balance. I do want you to take it, you know, to take your time off. That's what it's there for. Um and, you know, uh, when I started saying no and started prioritizing myself, um, that became the norm. So I, I, to be quite honest, I didn't feel bad. Um, I set an expectation uh, for myself and, and, and set the same for the people who worked for me. And, um, and it's all about being honest, I think. I think if you set it up and you set yourself up in a way where, you're saying, listen, in order for me to be the best employee I can be, the best leader I can be, I need to take care of myself. And um, if that doesn't work for you, then maybe this isn't the opportunity for me. And what I learned along the way is, um, and Alex says it best, gosh, Alex just has such great quotes, uh, not every great opportunity is your great opportunity. And, and truly, when I started saying no to gigs, when I started saying no to, you know, opportunities, what I realized is um, I, I really got to a point in my career where I didn't need to say yes to everything to make a name for myself because that didn't really matter for me to me anymore. Um, what mattered is that every opportunity I did take advantage of or every moment I was engaged in that I could do the best that I was capable of doing. I would like to just add that one of my closest friends gave me that advice when I was trying to decide whether or not I was making a mistake by saying no to what I thought was an incredible opportunity. It was an incredible opportunity. Um, I would just like to add that this is actually something that I still really struggle with. Um, like, even though I'm like so committed to, you know, having my life outside of work and and doing what I can it's just like this interesting thing that happens I think in our industry particularly is like I still feel guilty if like the bar had a bad night and I wasn't there yeah, yeah. even if it was like my day off and like how would I have why would I have you know it's my day off like totally nothing I could have done about it but still like there's that weird like I wasn't there and that's you know, and not that, not like a weird selfish thing of like, that's why they had a bad night, but like, how dare I not be there in the weeds with them? Like, right. you know, in the trenches on this one particular night that was like a Wednesday yeah, and my day off. Like that's such a, it's so weird. I've been thinking about that a lot. We had a night recently at Death & Co that was really hard. And there was just these weird curveball things that happened to the managers that were working and myself and my co-manager uh, Maggie were both off and she and I were talking about it later because like there were a couple things that went wrong that she had been involved in conversation with but it didn't go wrong because of anything that she did wrong there were, it just it just, just went wrong went wrong yeah it literally had nothing to, it was not her fault and she was like I still felt like it was my fault yeah. and it was like it's like that weird like team mentality well it's a team mentality but also it's weird to like have your days off have your business still be open on your days off, right? right. Like, 
other people, right. it's like you go home for the weekend and the business is closed and the whole world is like, I guess I'll call Monday. I've never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. I've never considered you know, that to be what, part of the like, mental either, dynamic. Because I've been so on the daytime part of like distribution for so long. That's so true. It's like yeah. your baby is still awake. Just like out there <laughs> making mistakes without you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Good point. I also struggle with this though. And I think, you know, uh, Instagram and social media, like the FOMO is real. You know, I'm 50 and I still feel like, oh God. And I'm, it's gotten much better. This last year has been a great kind of learning experience, but, um, I also feel left out or that I'm missing out if I've said no. And then it looks like everybody went and had fun without me, you know, yeah. or everyone's on this trip or that trip. And, you know, social media does not help that at all. But going back to like saying no to things, this is very woo woo, but from a energetic perspective, you actually create so much more magnetism by setting boundaries and saying no, than being all things to all people and then nothing for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it's I it's actually the last few years I realized like saying no is like my most powerful thing I can do for my career, for my life, for my family and all that stuff. And it's really hard. Like it's not yeah. my forte. Right. It's a huge challenge, but um it really is important. So if yeah, that helps you. Really you do say have no, to like you have to practice it. I mean it just happened the other day. I got like a email LP I don't know if, I think I feel like I did tell you this there was like I got an email being like we're doing a bartending tv show that's going to be on like they, oh, yeah. they said like some famous network was like it was clearly <laughs> it's going to be on like Netflix or whatever and I like asked them some questions they sent some back stuff and I was like I have to say no like I have to say no to this like that sounds big. cool yeah but I have to say no like it's not good for not you not the right time like yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, uh, yeah, it's like a practice and yeah, it's like there, there's that weird fear of like, oh, if I say no to this one, then I'll never get another yes. cool opportunity yeah. ever again. Well, I think it's like, it's that kind of scarcity thing. And it's, you know, it goes against everything we've learned about hospitality. Like, oh, don't, sure. don't say no to you people. Say <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. that's so true. Well, I'm, while we're uh, at this little point, maybe y'all could tell us a little bit about Fine Line. Um, and, and You start, because I always start. You start this time. <laughs> Um, so we also started this venture in March of 2020. Um, <laughs> was it something that you were talking about pre? No, okay. this is because of COVID instead of by chance. Gotcha. COVID, yeah. Um, I was in the process of selling my business. I cried so much. I don't know how there was still moisture in my body. It was like so intense to do that during COVID. Which was a restaurant, <laughs> which, right? Is, which was a, a restaurant. Um, and then um, Liz called me and was like, hey, I want to do a podcast. I want to talk to you about it. I want to do this with you. Here's what I'm thinking. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm you so were like, what's a podcast? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I was like, do people listen to those? <laughs> totally. Kind of true. Um, and I was like, well, you know, this is obviously something I could tell it really mattered to you, Liz. And I didn't want to, like, mess it up and be the wrong partner. So I was like, give me a few days to, like, get through this and um, and figure out if I can really commit to that. And we talked about it more. And I was like, so what's the point? Liz was like, I want to talk to wine people. I want to talk to health and wellness people. Um, and I was like, about what? <laughs> um, and so we decided on this, like, hey, let's figure out what people, like, let's get real stories from people about this being hard. Like, let's all just talk about that life is hard. And we're all kind of at different places of taking care of ourselves and figuring it out. And so 
And I guess I'll let you finish. <laughs> well, no, I was so grateful because I would have had it be about everything and nothing, you <laughs> yeah. know, and Emily was like, let's have it like, what is the theme? Sure. And that was great. And so the theme was how do people find balance, whether you're an acupuncturist or Bobby Stuckey, you know what right. I mean? So, um, yeah, it was great. And that's, we started it in March, but our first episode wasn't until September. Then we mm -hmm. got in touch with Matthew, who owns the studio, and he sent us a list of all the things we'd have to do, thank God, to launch a podcast. And we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was like I'd a website. Uh, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, figure out what we did and did not do. <laughs> it's, it was pretty daunting, but we, we were excited about it, too. I mean, listen, this never would have happened if COVID hadn't happened because I wouldn't have even had the minute to have a pause to think like, what do I really want to be doing? I First of all, I'm bored. I'm used to having 800 things to do at once. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And uh, yeah, so it really birthed out of that pause, that that moment, to, which gave us mm -hmm. time to be creative. And it was so nice to have something to do for the summer that, you know, we could put in a lot of time to and that we could do remotely. And we got to talk a lot and go on a lot of walks. Um, and then, you know, the other piece of it is, you know, back to your what you kind of started with people in our industry dying unexpectedly. Liz and I had a someone who was really close to both of us take his own life a few years ago and have talked a lot about mental health in our industry since then. And so I think it also like COVID was so challenging in so many ways for everyone in our industry and a lot of other people. But, you know, yeah. keep being reminded that there are people who are thriving. Um, and but in those three years since Mike's death, I mean, mental health has really become a topic of conversation, not just in our business, but in society as a whole. And I really I regret that, you know, it, that wasn't part of the conversation then. Exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. But I think there is a goal of like, let's not keep finding ourselves in the situation of being like, I didn't know it was that bad. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, y'all's mission aligns very, very well with ours. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Focus on Health podcast, like my my hope is just to have conversations that are, people are sometimes afraid to have, like have the hard conversations, talk about the things. Like that's why, you know, I started posting on social media about the fact that I was going to therapy. It was like, you know, I've said this before. It's like, if I'm going to work for a bar that, you know, is world famous and therefore my like little internet microphone is maybe like a little bit bigger like then i would like for people to know that just because i work at a at death and company doesn't mean that my life is like absolutely fucking perfect like yeah or that you're a badass you're still right. not vulnerable yeah you know like, I mean? that i don't that i <laughs> yeah. don't cry three times in the bathroom stall on saturday night service because totally. you know like it's it's important for people to know those things like Agreed. life isn't just peachy and like i don't just like wake up like superwoman every day like ready to kick ass like sometimes i'm tired or sad or have the blues for no reason like that's and service is so intense i mean i commend all you guys because i could I mean, I left service 20 years ago, and it's just <laughs> so, it's like two hours. I mean, it's not just two hours, but there are those two hours when you're in the shit that's just, it's life or death. And it's like people aren't even, like, you almost can't be nice to your coworkers because you're just trying to get a job done. I mean, it's just so, well, and I worked in New York City where, like, it was all these French guys, so they were not nice to you <laughs> at all. But but it's it's so full on. So I really commend you guys for, I mean, you like walk into the fire basically all the time. <laughs> um, Alex, did you just start therapy recently? No, I've um, 
I've been in therapy like on and off since I was a teenager. Um, yeah, my my dad is a holistic medicine family practitioner. Oh, cool. So and Liz is like, where does he live? I know. I'm like, can he adopt me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I wish I I've still not really found anybody in Denver that it makes me it's like excited to you know go to the doctor. Um, but um, yeah, so my parents like put me in therapy when I was young, um, and then like as a young adult, I started going to therapy again. Um, but I didn't really find like a therapist that I really loved, um, and like wasn't super committed to going to therapy until. I moved to Denver yeah. and I was going through like a really hard time. Um, like just so badly wanting to be the bar manager at death and co and like kind of going through this year of like self doubt of like whether or not I would get the job and, um, whether or not I was worthy of getting the job. Yeah. And so like, that was really hard on me. Um, just like self-imposed hardness, like, right. um, put myself through that for no real reason. And then, um, like went through a pretty like a new town yeah new town yeah, and yeah. um opening a new bar and then like breaking up with my my boyfriend of six and a half years like all through that wow it's, that'll do it yeah <laughs> so thank thankful for therapy but for i really that. think that's an important point too is finding the right person i know i've just been through that and um it takes it can take a minute and if you're not liking it it's probably because i mean it's not going to be easy right, right ever and it's funny, I was saying to Emily, because my husband and I have started seeing someone together, and it's like the night before, I'm like, I don't know why we're talking to her tomorrow. Like, we're fine, you know? <laughs> and then we get in there, and it's like, oh, you know? Right. like, And then these beautiful breakthroughs, and it's like such a beautiful experience. And But, I mean, it took us, this is the third person we've talked to, and the other two, I was like, fuck this, this is just stupid, you right. know? But that's because we weren't with the right person. Yeah. So I think... Yeah. Hang in there if you're like thinking, I mean, it's going to be hard, but it should actually feel, also be wonderful. It should feel like comfortable. and, and Yeah. And you natural. trust them and they're, yeah. you know. My therapist yeah. w worked in hospitality for a really long time. So like, I love cool. that about her, like that I feel like she can relate to my story and like understand some of the things that I'm going through work-wise that that's been massive for me just personally i'm yeah. very very grateful for that that's huge yeah. i love my therapist so much but i i often have to explain things to her she'll be like wait what's wrong with just like having like opening a bottle of wine and just having one glass out of it i'm like what <laughs> if the wine isn't as good the next day that's so disrespectful like <laughs> it's gonna be oxidized the next day yeah she's like right but that might be too much alcohol and i'm like it doesn't seem like it <laughs> there are two of us exactly <laughs> <laughs> That's why these cans have been so nice, like single serving, because I'm not a beer person mm -hmm. and beer is so makes so much sense. I just don't like it, you know, but kind of the single serving, it's fresh. It doesn't go bad. You're not wasting it, you know. So anyway, <laughs> I would love it if more wineries would start canning wine. It's tricky. Like they tr like we had a couple high end ones and they tried. It's just I don't think the canned market is there yet. It's either yeah. cheap wine. Right. Like they don't, people don't want to spend a lot of money for a good wine in a can yet. No. Yeah. We yeah. have the Brock Cellars uh, canned wine at, That's cool. in the mini bar at the Ramble Hotel. Nice. Um, nice. But then again, it's like allocated. So I'm like, I right. kind of hope that people don't drink a lot of it because then I'm like, what will I do? <laughs> Just price it accordingly. It. <laughs> That's awesome. What about, have you guys, like, how have you found being a woman? Like I, I was just reading this. So I, Prince Harry and Oprah have started this show on <laughs> Apple TV. Wait, it's a what? really random combination. 
But I think it's like Martha Stewart. Oh my, Dog. Not, You're like, what? It's total. I was like, Snoop, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart is weirder. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, true. it's it's totally that. But one of the first people they interview is Lady Gaga. And she, for the first time, tells a story about being raped. Like she went in to see a producer and he said, take your clothes off. And she refused and he raped her. Oh, my God. And so it's this like kind of cautionary tale for like, I think, you know, I I think her dad now travels with her everywhere. But like, you know, you just sort of maybe didn't understand that those threats were really out there. So I'm not saying I want to hear like anything explicit from anyone. But I do think that there are like weird things about being a woman in a man's world, whether that's in the restaurant business or um, anywhere. And, you know, I mean, I, I personally have been kind of feel lucky for not all the situations I was alone that could have gone wrong and didn't. But um, still, I've hit many glass ceilings being a woman, you know, and ceilings I didn't even know were there that I was like, oh, no, there's there's no issue with me being a woman. And then I got to the top and I was like, oh, actually, there are, you know, and it's it's interesting, even like. I was on a phone call with three winemakers the other day and they were all dudes. And I was like, this sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't have like one woman who like understands what I'm, you know? Yeah. So do you guys have any like thoughts about being a woman? Has it been a non-issue? Has it been, have there been issues? Like, how has that been for you guys? Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. Um, I must note uh, my quietness was not purposeful. I forgot I was muted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, like chatting along. She's like chatting along. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I was actually just having this conversation yesterday, specifically as a black woman, and I, I, I feel that I'm privileged because um, there are barriers that I did not necessarily have to go through um, to be to be given and granted opportunities. Um, I was very connected uh, very early on and working very hard helped in my favor, obviously. Um, but the, the example I like to use is growing up in the Bronx, I don't necessarily dress or look or speak the way a lot of the girls I grew up did. And had had I, had I acted a different way, had I spoken a different way, I don't necessarily know that I would get those opportunities. Um, I think that I'm pretty... If, if they were ever, ever limitations early on, I was oblivious to them. Um, and I think that is, that displays the determination I had very early on. Um, but it, it certainly doesn't detract from experiences. I know that a lot of black women have had, um, specifically in, you know, wine and spirits and, um, what it does is place me in a position where I really ensure that I can, pass along opportunities when I don't feel they're necessarily appropriate for me, but they are better fit for someone else who may not necessarily get it, um, or get that opportunity. And additionally, I continue to advocate for, you know, others in the industry who are, are really just trying to get a name for themselves, um, and are working really hard, uh, in their respective fields. Um, kind of piggybacking on what you were displaying and stating earlier, I don't necessarily know that the awful things that have happened to me happened to me because I was a woman, but I will say that there are individuals 
in general who do tend to take advantage. And it's really unfortunate. Um, I think that we're in such a great position right now with social media, with access to information, um, with the network that we have within the food and beverage sector to truly and um, to truly like come together, speak up and, and dismantle all of the BS that exists, um, whether that be racial, whether that be, you know, um, w- w- anything that has to do with like sexual harassment or sexual violence um, and, and set ourselves up in a way where we can advocate for those who may not be able to advocate for themselves. Um, it's one of the things that I love about the industry everyone knows something that the next person doesn't. So it's really, really a great position to be in, in that regard. Uh, it is heartbreaking to hear constantly. And I'm sure we can all think of several instances that have occurred over the last year, um, in regards to all of those topics. It's, it's heartbreaking to hear that those things occur. Um, and I think the question I urge people to ask themselves is like, what part do I play in this narrative and this story? How do I hold myself and others accountable, especially those that are close to me? Right. And then lastly, um, what, how long do I have to continue to sit here and state something needs to change, um, and wait for somebody else to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's a question I've often asked myself over the last 12 months, cause I took a huge leap in getting involved in like the social justice movement that's been occurring specifically with Black Lives Matter. And I I kind of just got to a point where I was like, I'm sick and tired of waiting for somebody else to come up with a solution. (laughs) I really want to, you know, ensure I'm placing myself in a position where uh, with whatever's in my control, I can get involved. Um, I can advocate for others, et cetera. And I think that that's, that's, that's the, that's the mentality we need to have. We also need to protect ourselves. This is emotionally tolling. These conversations are hard. Um, and, and I think as, as long as we are prioritizing our mental status, um, if we are able to help ourselves and others, that's definitely something that we should be doing. Yes. Well, and there's no impact that's too small. You know, we all have to use whatever position we're in and whatever voice we do have to take care of the people around us. And for some people, that's a lot more people. And even if it's yeah. just one person, that makes a difference, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I agree. I agree. We definitely have this mentality where it's like all or nothing, yeah. even with things like sustainability. It's like, well, if my program isn't completely sustainable, then fuck it. It's like, no, dude, like yeah, recycle. What thing. are you talking about? <laughs> right, like yeah. Three fourths of it can be on what a difference. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said about dress a certain way and talk a certain way, though, because I think about this a lot. Like I had a really close friend who was, you know, in a cab with an Italian winemaker. This was like 15 years ago. And he kind of tried to attack her. I shouldn't say kind of. He tried to attack her. And, you know, but she got away. And the next day I, like, freaked out on him. And um, and then we actually happened to be in Vegas with him. And she came down with this really low-cut shirt. And she has huge boobs. And they were, like, sticking out. And I was like, you know, I'm just saying, like, maybe – go put on a more conservative outfit. And I think about that moment and it's like, was that wrong of me? Like, should she be able to dress exactly how she wants to? Like how much, and I really grapple with this, like how much of it is on us? And I hate to say this, but like I had a yoga teacher say to me once because people's stuff was getting stolen in the dressing room at yoga while we were practicing. And Mm -hmm. it was so horrible that this was happening at a yoga studio. And she said, you can't tempt people. 
And that's really stuck with me. Like, don't just leave your wallet in the thing. Like, you know, bring your wallet up to class. We're in New York City. Shit happens, right? Yeah. So what, like, I and I don't think there's an answer to this, but I really worry about, like, should we just be able to dress however we want? And, or is there some oweness on us to maybe, you know, try to not look as tempting? You know, I don't know what the answer is. And is that yeah. just, is that a totally misogynistic point of view that I have that I even yeah. think about it being at all our fault? You know what I mean? Right. So, so. this is a great question. And this is something that comes up in my bystander intervention training, um, specifically with sexual violence sexual harassment, and alcohol. So alcohol does not cause sexual assault or sexual harassment. In order for sexual assault or sexual harassment to occur, there needs to be a predator present. I use the same example for instances like this. If someone wants to dress a certain way and there is an asshole in the room, they're going to say something stupid. If someone wants to dress a certain way and there isn't an asshole in the room, they're not. They're, nobody's going to say something stupid. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so, a there's a difference between you know like oh one hundred like there's a difference between maybe like a, another woman seeing a woman dressed provocatively and like having their own judgment on that as a woman and then there and then the difference between a woman dressing provocatively and then a man like assaulting her. Right. You know. One hundred percent. Everyone has I the think- right to be judgmental of somebody dressed in a way that they don't like or approve of, but nobody has the right to try to assault to of course someone. of course exactly. i'm by no means saying yeah, anyone totally. would ever have the right obviously. yeah but yeah. exactly and i think that's the difference that's exactly it um but you can do think you whatever think that like in a way percent. there is a point of dressing for success too like you i'm i'd be lying if i didn't say that as a seedlet brand rep i don't dress a certain way when i go to market yeah. <laughs> like yeah i have to yeah i mean if i'm going into a new account i hate to say it but yeah, I put my red lipstick on, I put my eyeliner on, I put my blouse on with my, my jeans and my, my, my black booties and I make sure that I look a certain, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm selling a product that's, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's unfortunate, it but that is what I to be cute, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go into market without my makeup on with, with, you know, my, my Adidas sweatsuit, which I normally walk around in, unfortunately, <laughs> um, because I probably won't be able to, s- to sell my product. And quite honestly, they're probably going to look at me and be like, I'm not buying anything from you. Right. right. Like you're, are you it, like, maybe you project you're not taking yourself seriously. So how are they supposed to take you seriously? Or for me, it's like, if I feel like I look good, I'm going to hold myself differently yeah. and have a confidence. I mean, I really believe in feeling good in your own skin and mm-hmm. looking good and doing everything that is important to you. To feel good and look good so that you, you know, then project that. I guess it just sucks that this doesn't, like, really translate into, like, men and no, how they dress professionally, right? Because, like, as a woman, like, we we could – I obviously – like, obviously, like, I'm never going to walk out of the house wearing something that I don't feel confident in, right? But what you feel confident in is going to be very different based on who you are. So maybe right. for – if we're still talking about the – your coworker who was wearing a low-cut blouse, it's like she probably got dressed and was like, I feel confident. I, I can sell whatever I need to sell dressed like this because I feel confident. But there's not really the male equivalent of that. What, are they going to like have their balls hanging out of like some shorts they're wearing <laughs> or something? Like, like I don't, it, totally. doesn't, it doesn't equate. It, the no. only limit is like don't wear cargo shorts. Right. <laughs> or like, yeah, it's like maybe they're like have their chest hair poking out of right. like a low-cut 
a button down or something. But like there's really it doesn't there's no like conundrum for them. You're right. As far they're as they're gonna dressing pants for on success. no matter what. Or, yeah, you know, right. Like, like yeah. I, it's like it's almost sucks that there's like the it's not a double standard. It's just like there's this weird there's such a wider spectrum, I guess, of how you could of what you could define as dressing for success for a woman base versus a man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I guess you know. Oh, sorry, I didn't. No, go ahead. Well, the other thing I think of too, because I was just thinking, I. I'm totally an advocate for people wearing whatever they want. I mean, truly, that's just my personal opinion. Um, and it reminded me of something, a conversation I actually had with my mom a really long time ago. And she's a very old school, traditional black Catholic woman. She's in her 70s. I mean, you don't show your cleavage. You don't wear tight pants. Like, you know, like you're married. Then you have children. Very traditional. And I remember when I started dating and she said to me, in order to attract a specific man, you need to dress a specific way. And I, I always like refer back to that because I'm like, yeah. And if I'm at a nightclub and I'm dressing a certain way, does that stand true? If I'm at a coffee shop and I, you know, obviously it's situational. If you're at a nightclub, everyone's dressed a certain way. Sure. If I'm at I'm at a bookstore at Starbucks and I'm wearing my nightclub dress, that's different. Like that's a it's situational. Yeah. So you're going to obviously attract attention depending on the the setting and the situation you're in, right? Um, it kind of goes back to what everyone just said. Um, I think it's a lot about how it makes you feel. Um, but perception is always something I into consideration. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't know. I agree. I mean, I agree, but I also don't want, then I question why I feel that way. Well, but it's, I, I mean, know. I do feel. you know, yeah. But it's back to what Alex said. Like it, it's one thing to say women should be able to wear whatever, everyone should be able to wear whatever they want. Let's not comment on other people's bodies and, you know, grappling with our own judgment and our own sense of context and all that stuff. And it's a totally different thing to be like, you like everyone gets to dress how they want and not be attacked. Right. You know, right. it's like that, like they're totally. it's like it, it's not just one conversation, actually. Sure. Yeah. You're good point. Yeah. They really are two different threads. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, this has been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I personally, uh, as far as being a woman in this industry, um, I mean, like I've answered this question so many times, like I feel really grateful. I've like worked for really incredible female chefs and female managers and sums. Like when I was learning to bartend in Chattanooga, like I always I almost was always working for a woman in some context and nine out of 10 of them were incredible people That's that awesome. were, you know, really great, awesome people. Um, so I don't I feel like I'm really blessed in that. You I, are. Yeah. I didn't experience that um, these days. I feel like, honestly, the only thing I ever really deal with is that people always assume I'm a guy in my emails. It drives oh, me nuts. Funny. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know why. Cause I, yeah, I don't know. It just like bugs me. So I ended up just adding like she, her to the end of my email. Good. Um, because I just like, cause also it sucks to like write somebody back and be like, FYI, I'm a woman. Like, so, but I, and I have done that right. to people before, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel the opposite. I feel like I've thought about creating a male-sounding alter ego so that I can stop using so many goddamn exclamation marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your nom de plume. Hi. <laughs> just totally. like, like just well, that. that also just speaks to people not paying attention because, I mean, we're living in a world where people also are just non-binary, right? 
Mm-hmm. So what happens when like they're using they them and we're just making us just making assumptions at that point? It's like yeah, I just mean, pay attention. Yeah, I mean, I guess like <laughs> it. I don't mean this to sound like a cat like caddy or whatever, but it's like you could literally just Google my name and you would know. Yeah, well, that's well, what yeah. I, it wouldn't take much. It wouldn't take much. And so, like, out. especially if you're trying to sell me something, like, I'm, like, pretty unimpressed with you, like, emailing yes. me being like, hey, dude, it's what's so up, gentlemen? funny you like, say <sighs> that because I had this whole thing. I took a couple of Psalms to Italy, and we spent half the trip joking about all the time someone trying to sell you something. Like, my name is Liz Daniels, and they'd be like, dear Daniel. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? And you're like, dude, I mean, if you didn't take a second to, like, really <sighs> figure out my name. Or like Jack Mason, who's now in Texas. He used to be at uh, at uh, Mayalino, and he they'd call him Jason instead of Jack Mason. They'd be like, "Dear Jason," yeah. you know, and like it's still our joke. And yeah. Jeff Kellogg, we had like the funniest. It's like, yeah, take a second, yeah, you know, like, especially if you're trying to sell me something, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The greatest lesson I ever learned with being working in brands was actually when I was working with Balmade was. To make sure you know your shit. Like yeah. if you're going to sell a product to a client and if for instance, oh gosh, this was the this was the harshest, but like the best lesson I ever learned. I was like, hey, I'd really love to come into your establishment for a meeting. Um, how's this Saturday? And my the response they gave me was very harsh. They were like, well, if you would have done your research, you would have known that we closed because of COVID. And I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I am so sorry. But that was, listen, it was harsh, but it was like, wow, I need to make sure I'm doing my research. Yeah. Right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's just I important to, to know, like, who you're selling to as it is what you're selling. Like, 100%. And I was horrified. And I sent this huge apology. But again, did I do my research? No, probably not. Yeah, like lesson learned. I mean, it's like I used to have people come in for job interviews and not have looked at our website. And I was like, what are you doing? Right. Like, just just want just one glance, you know, just know know something more about, you know. Yeah, no, very true. It is definitely about preparation. But LP, I also really like your like I like your point about, you know, binary, non-binary stuff and like really ultimately the problem, Alex, I don't think is people assuming you're a dude. It's people thinking that they can gender people like like why are they thinking about your gender at all? You yeah, know. <laughs> I know. Just like write up, dear Alex. Yes, exactly. Like you don't even have to just like how about some human to human contact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's like, why can't everybody use the word y'all? Like, literally, <laughs> like I put word. it in emails all of the it's time, and sometimes word. I'm like, am I being unprofessional? I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like this most recent email, and the person was like, "What's up, gentlemen?" Because there were like five other guys cc'd on the email, and I was like, all you could have said was, "Hey, y'all." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Looking forward to meeting you. And Alex is equally male-female name. I mean, that's not a... It's not like you're a boy named Sue. You know what I mean? I mean, you're really like... And like, once again, it's not that... It's not necessarily that they... I mean, there, there's maybe this like little micro thing where I'm like, oh, they just assume I'm a guy because well, it's a bar manager. Yeah, yeah, must yeah, be yeah. a guy. Yeah. But I think, yeah, the thing that really just bugs me is that you didn't take like two seconds totally. to like figure out who you're talking to. Yeah. Like, next. Yeah. <laughs> I used to always have people walk into my restaurant and just like ask for the owner. Yeah. yeah. Constantly. Oh. Or or they would be then, you know, a server would be like, oh, that's Emily. She's the owner. And then I'd meet them and I'd be super nice and I would thank them for coming in and all that. And they'd be like, so Where's is your he husband? your husband? Yeah. Oh. And I was just like, also, I was 27. I was like, what? Like, yeah. don't just don't be don't. Why are you thinking about me like that? Like this reminds <laughs> me of um, what's going on in the beer world right now. 
Um, I don't know if oh, you guys yeah. have been following that. No, I, I haven't been following. I saw a mention of it, but yeah. I, I'm not sure of the story. I can't remember her name. Brienne, maybe? Breen? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I read that article last night, but I don't remember. Yeah. She, her, her Instagram is Rat Magnet, which is also nice. <laughs> um, but she's an owner of a brewery here in Colorado, I'm pretty sure. Um, a co-owner, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's just been posting about like the misogynistic stuff that she's dealt with. And it was, like one of the things that recently, I guess, that she posted about was that she was like on a ladder doing like construction in her brewery. And some guy made a joke about like hitting the glass ceiling. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I think that's maybe, like, kind of what started her posting about it. Um, but it's been, like, I mean, massive. And, like, every, like, beer society has had to, like, make a statement because all these people have come out with all these horrible stories about, like, you know. I can't believe that didn't happen sooner, honestly. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, I'm glad it's happening now and people are getting to share their stories. And I hope there's a real change. But my brother-in-law sent me some of those articles. And I was just like, oh, just now? Like, right. right, like, wow, like, that, this hasn't been reported That's kind of a year or two. I was like, has yeah. no one been to a brewery? Yeah. 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 Well, and we've all had, like, you know, Emily and I spent a lot of time in France. And, I mean, it's France, but, you know, all the times I was there and the man always gets handed the wine list. Mm. And then my boyfriend at the time would hand it to me. I would order it. They'd, They'd bring him, him the wine. Taste. You know, I would taste it. Like, it's like, and, I mean, it was France. 20 years ago, but yeah, it hasn't changed, but it hasn't changed. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just kind of remarkable yeah. that you're like, really still, mm. you know, but. I was there, uh, you know, only six years ago or whatever. And yeah. I, I was so shocked. I've never had so many strangers tell me what I could and couldn't do like stuff like sitting at a bar and ordering a pastis and having someone I did not know next to me, look at me and go, Oh, that's a man's drink. Oh my what? God. And I was like, what are you? okay. Thanks Weird. for your input. I guess I'll sit somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, in thinking about, you know, we've we have all have a lot of gripes because it's been it's a intense road, this wine world and building a career as any person out there. So I would love to go around and talk about something we're all excited about because it's always nice to end on a high note, I feel like. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Let's start. <laughs> I know I have to think of something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's my own question, and I didn't prepare anything. Um, I'll start. Please. I feel I am really excited about um, kind of the way I think things are changing a little bit. I feel like there are a lot of transitions and transformations for me and for most of the people I know, um, whether it's personal or professional. And I just feel like you know, not like this next year is going to be some magical time where we all forget the trauma we just went through collectively. But I feel like things are, there are starting to be things I do feel excited about besides just this podcast and trying to like make sure the people I love are healthy and that I get to talk to them occasionally. Mm -hmm. So I just feel, yeah, I feel like I'm looking forward to things in a way I haven't since the beginning of COVID. I would second that. I think as painful as COVID was and then you know everything that happened with George Floyd and what that kicked off and uh, as as much as that is a horrible event, and it's not just one event, obviously, it's all the events that have happened since the beginning of time to the black community. But to see the uprising and the fact that everybody, well, not everybody, everyone we know <laughs> <laughs> are, you know, supporting that. And it's finally, I think it's just a moment like COVID gave us all the moment to focus on those things, whether it is you know, being a woman, being a person of color, you know, just personally, the fact that I had a minute to hit the pause button. And I think that 
a lot of creativity came from this time and it feels like we're in a transition right now where exciting things are happening and and I just it feels really good finally. Mm-hmm. So I second that. Yeah. LP, do you have anything? Um man, that's a hard question. Um <laughs> so I think I'm excited for focus on how to finalize some of the training programs that we're working on. So that we can assist in ensuring employees feel empowered um, and can stand up for themselves and their fellow coworkers in situations where it's needed. Um, and also, you know, just shedding light on resources. I mean, we're not trying to recreate the wheel here. There are a lot of amazing resources that are already available online. Just shedding a little bit of light on what is already out there, the work has been already that has already been done um, to really just also assist owners and managers, et cetera, um, to, to just take better care of themselves and their teams. Um, you know, one thing that I think has been really lovely, um, to see specifically in the DC community is that there's a lot of, uh, empathy and compassion for both sides, both the employers and the employees understanding that like, we were not prepared for a pandemic. (laughs) I don't even know that that word was in my vocabulary a year ago. Um, and that we're all just trying to do the best we can. Um, but that education is key and, and really taking advantage of those resources will just be very helpful for, for everyone and anyone. Very cool. Um, in our manager meetings at Death & Co., we do both a personal and professional segue where we say something positive going on in our lives. Awesome. Um, so personally... I'm very excited because on NPR this morning, I heard that they've indicted a grand jury for Donald Trump. Oh, wow. So I was like driving out there like, <laughs> great. What? I mean, then it was like, they were like, so what's next? And they're like six months. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. It might be years before anything happens, if anything does. But personally, I'm very excited about that. That's great. Um, And then, sorry to get per- political. No, but, please. Um. I feel like we've said a lot of political things. They just (laughs) weren't about the president. Um, And then, you know, professionally, I'm going to echo LP. Like, I'm very excited to see um, how we we at Focus on Health can be involved in creating safer workplaces um, in our industry. And I'm excited for hopefully there to be, like, real systematic changes when it comes to how employees are treated. Um, and I'm very hopeful that there will be things that change fundamentally about our industries and in the nation, um, particularly like how people are paid and how this industry yeah. is regarded. I mean, that's like, you know, nobody, no one can like have the excuse of saying that like being a server is like not a real job when like freaking three months into the pandemic, it was like, oh, restaurants are like a essential business. <laughs> like, okay, well then in that case like treat us as one right like then stop acting like a server is like a second class citizen like and stop treating them like your servants at the table like you know if you if it's that important to you to be able to go out and eat while people are dying Mm -hmm. then like let's reevaluate the rest of that system yeah let's create a little more structure and support for all of these people yeah i think that's huge what's going to come out from restaurants in this from this last year i hope so i I hope hope so. so Yeah. Well, look, yeah. we're all so hopeful. <laughs> yeah. I'm like being on a, a part and of a being team vaccinated to hire is like being vaccinated. I mean, I am so, you know, I don't know if I've been this proud of our country ever in my life. It's almost like, like I feel like 
I'd like to see America go in like D-Day and just fucking bring vaccines to all these countries that are really behind. And, yeah. you know, I was on the phone with United and the woman was in Malaysia and she's like, yeah, well, they're still on 85 year olds. And I'm like, I didn't want to tell her my 12 year old already got oh, his shot. But it's just really exciting to see how quickly. Thank you, Biden. This has rolled out and hopefully that we can help other countries catch up as well, especially India and places like that. Yeah. So yay, America. I haven't ever really felt that way. <laughs> wow. You're literally speaking to my own heart right now. But it really <laughs> feels good. It feels mouth. good to be like, before. to be proud of our country, you know, yeah. especially after the last four years or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, this has been so fun. This I would really love fun. to do this again. Like we'll have to make this kind of an annual check-in or something. We definitely yeah. should. And now I'm like, I'm like, I got to call him and talk to her about getting a professional ass uh, podcast. <laughs> it's kind of like dressing for success. It's like yeah, when exactly. you have the microphone and the headphones, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. I oh, can do this. wow. <laughs> and we'll definitely, we'll link Focus on Health in our show notes so people can click on, see everything you guys are yeah, doing. These trainings us. sound mm-hmm. amazing. So that's super cool. And, you know, the other people that I don't know if you've talked to them, but um, a balanced glass, um, they also it's very different. Like they do more like mindfulness stuff and whatever. But but similar ilk. Well, and a lot of community links for resources. Exactly. So they'd be great people for you guys to check out. They've been lovely. Awesome. Well, all right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. (laughs) Great to talk to you. And thanks to everyone for listening. To ensure that you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Focus on Health podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else that you get podcasts. Make sure to tune in every other Monday for new episodes, and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandhi every other Wednesday.